Coming on this week, off screen. Lady Gaga's A Star Who Gets Borned. Tom Hardy's Venom. John Cho's In Columbus. Kasama shows us there's infinity. There's a taboo in Tehran. There's a harrowing tale of a thousand girls. And Strange Ways Here We Come also exists. All of those coming more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. And I'm off. You're off, aren't you? I'm leaving. You're off. I can't believe On a jet that. plane. It is our last week together, Mr. Allen. For a bit. For a bit. I'll be back. I don't know when, at some point. So I'm going to have a baby. I, I, this is the yeah. first time hearing about this. Arnold Schwarzenegger style. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually would work. Height-wise, we are kind of Schwarzenegger and DeVito. So we are, that, that but I've, I've, not, I've not got the mass. And you've got a little bit more hair than Dine DeVito. Teeny bit. But yeah. uh, we should, that's what we should do. We should restage the poster for Junior. Uh, with you, me and the missus... We'll get together. We'll do that. Yeah, we should. We should absolutely do that. Yeah. And isn't that the original cover for How Did This Get, get made? made? Yeah, yeah. with Manzukas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, oh, speaking of, by the way, um, Zooks is in a trailer at the minute called The Long Dumb Road. Yeah, looks good. Looks, looks really good. good. Him and yeah. Tony Ravalori. There's a double act I never conjured in my life. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I am. It looks. It looks very. Yeah, fun. Looks I like remember seeing some uh, stuff on Instagram about it. Ages ago, I, I kind of just forgot about it. I heard nothing. I, I didn't know this existed until the trailer dropped, and I'm like, "Wow, okay, yeah. that's a movie I want to see." It'll be fun to see him in more of a lead because we never we never see him in a lead of anything. <laughs> we, we never really do. I mean, the house arguably is about as close. <laughs> well, that, that was kind of his biggest one to, today, and he's alright. Yeah, he's, he's he's perfectly fine, perfectly tolerable. Zooks, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, it's Zooks being Zooks, standard Zooks. Um, so before we get to uh, our first review of the week, uh, which obviously is a nice story actually for our. our last week together as well we actually ran into each other outside the cinema it was unplanned it, it was completely yeah. unplanned and we just, it was absolute yeah, kismet going to the actual <laughs> same screening together and, yeah. and then it turned out to be so busy we couldn't sit next to one another so you know which, was a, which was a shame yeah we, uh, we sat next to each other for like five minutes and then yeah. some girl was like I think this is my chair and she called me sir which I really loved yeah, yeah so that was very polite. Polite. You, got, you got complimented I got complimented I was very polite I, I just like seeing, seeing politeness out in the world anyway so uh, before we get to reviewing Venom which we're going to be very unpolite about um, let's uh, plug the podcast edition um, let's uh, direct everyone over to iTunes Acast Deezer Apple Podcasts sorry um, <laughs> any podcast platform you can think of odds are we're on there and before Venom of course we need one big piece of film news for the week so what have you got for me Mr. Allen what's taking the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood scene by storm this week you know that West Side Story? Yeah. Is that the spielberg We We get the Spielberg one, aren't we? We're getting the Spielberg one. Yeah. Yes. So we, we had the one that's, that's popular, mm-hmm. based on the Sonheims. Yes, that was the 70s? The early yeah. 70s. 60s. And it's amazing. That film's great. And now we're getting one by Spielberg, because reasons. <laughs> because reasons. Wasn't this rumoured to be his final film at one point? Was it? I think at one point it was rumoured that West Side Story was going to be his final film and that before that was Indy 5. And now Indy 5 has been shunted to 2021 or something? Yeah, he's he's yeah. obviously... He always likes to do like two films back-to-back. He does seem to, doesn't so he? So yeah. the plan was to do 
Indy 5 and then straight away do this. Hmm. And then that's now being just switched around. So I think we're going to begin in this first now and then Indy 5. Because huh. well, this isn't going to take as long to shoot, you would think. It's, well, just, no, it's mean, sort of a choreography and he won't have a... You won't have a stunt Presumably. Yeah. yeah. And also in Harrison Ford, he's an old man now. He moves slowly. It takes time to film these things. Choreography so. for West Side Story then, not choreography <laughs> for Indiana Jones. <laughs> Don't think we're going to get a big dance sequence in Indy 5. I know, but like you say, yeah. Indiana Jones in the five years you did a you could, you could start filming Indiana Jones right now and still release it in 2021. It would take that long to get Harrison Ford to replicate all the standard Indiana Jones movements yeah. at his age. But anyway, Ansel Elgort is going to be Tony, and I think that's really good casting. Is it good casting? Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay, cool. He he has musical chops because we saw that in in Baby Driver. He has quite musical sensibilities. He, he, he can sing. He yeah. can he can dance. I've seen him do a musical number somewhere. Where not outside of Baby Driver? I mean, where was it? I know he's done one somewhere. Just been in stuff. I don't know. I've, no, I've I'm seen sure that. I've seen Ansel Elgort do it. I, I still think he would have been a better solo, actually, than than what than Ansel Elgort. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. Sorry. <laughs> That's um, true. Ansel Elgort would have been so much better than Ansel Elgort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he would have... He's, he's got some of it Ansel Elgort is just lacking. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, he will. He will be great as Tony. I think, I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Who would you? Uh, who would you cast as is Maria? I don't know. Yeah. I, I've I've been racking my brains. I don't know. It's very true. I, I would hope it to be an unknown. You know. Well, why not? I mean, the, the yeah. brand is arguably big enough. Yeah, you're going for the name of it. Spielberg doing West Side Story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's Spielberg's West Side Story. It's already got enough brand awareness that you can cast Ansel Elgort, for instance, as the lead, and yeah. you know he can be a name on a poster for this one. It doesn't matter. Mm. And um, you know, West Side Story is one of the most well-known, most well-loved musicals ever. Oh, it is, isn't it? Really? It's, so it's, uh, it never goes away either. West Side Story, and it's and it's great, even though it's. It's Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Um, and that's been popular. But yes, Romeo and Juliet does not seem to go away either. I mean, that secret cinema thing was very popular this summer. Oh, yeah, I forgot and, you went to it. Uh, yeah, it was... It was uh, I mean, it wasn't anywhere near as fun as, as they've been in previous years, but... No. Uh, well, that's because you didn't dress up like Johnny Legg, that's why. Well, I know, but they have very specific uh, criteria and... and like they put you, you have to join a team, for instance. Mm. When you go in, you have to dress for a specific team at Secret Cinema. Um, huh. Yeah, so mine was like uh, blue and Hawaiian. Those nice. were like the directives I was given. Yeah, blue um, and Hawaiian. Blue and Hawaiian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go from blue Hawaiian to just being blue and talk about Venom, shall we? <laughs> just feeling blue because I, I thought you really liked it. What? I thought I thought you loved this one. I, I can't tell if you're kidding. No one can, ever can. <laughs> Sometimes it's a mystery to me as well. <laughs> One time, this girl didn't think I was kidding. No, I'm married. I have a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this joke just got out of hand, man. <laughs> if anything, I know how to commit to a joke. That's <laughs> true. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> this is Kaufman-level brilliance right here. Yeah. Um, so, uh, talk about Venom, which is, of course, the Spider-Man and the Spider-Man spin-off. This is the first mm. attempt to start a full-blown cinematic universe comprised entirely of... Effectively, the second-rate, the second squad Spider-Man characters, the the second tier as they were. So, so anyone, Venom, what's the what's Morbius? Morbius, Morbius is coming. Jared Leto's gonna be Morbius apparently. Spike Lee's doing, I think, Nightwatch. That's on the books somewhere. Is um, that still happening? Apparently, yeah, I don't know. And uh, and then there's uh, there was gonna be silver and black. Now they're just gonna be silver and black um, separately. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so Black Cat and Silver Sable are getting their own movies as well. So there's at least five of these sort of on the cards. Yeah, and then Into the Spider-Verse. And then Into the Spider-Verse, which 
wasn't, I don't think, meant to, intended to be connected, but has now sort of tenuously been, although to go into that is kind yeah. of spoilery. Um, so, okay, so this is, direct, this is the first stage of that. This is the mummy of this dark universe. And I'm pretty sure it's going to wind up the same way as well. So it stars Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock, who you might have seen depicted on screen before by Topher Grace in uh, Spider-Man 3. In, was that 2007? Think yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. It was eleven that years was ago. eleven years ago. Eleven man. years we've, ago. We've lived long enough. I was a student eleven years ago. Wow. Okay. Anyway, yeah. so uh, so back to this one. Uh, Eddie Brock. Uh, he's we're told the greatest journalistic reporter in the world. He hosts his own. He hosts his own. Web, it seems to be a web series, but it's run as a TV series. It, it's it's strange. So he runs the yeah. Eddie Brock Report. It's, which, it's like Eddie on the street. Yeah, it's Eddie on the street, isn't it? Yeah. But everything seems to be topical and relevant, and by all accounts, he's just kind of an unacknowledged. Uh, he's, he's he's basically sort of unacclaimed, but acknowledged that he should be regarded as the greatest journalist in the world. Yes, we are, we are told. Um, <laughs> it, do, it turns out, though, in a twist on the story, Eddie Brock is actually the worst investigative journalist you've ever seen in your life. We are talking about a man who simply walks up to billionaires on camera and, with no evidence whatsoever, simply starts making allegations about them on camera and then wonders why said billionaire would turn around and ruin his life. Flash forward six months, he's got no job, he's got no fiancé, he's down on his luck. And I'll tell you what, we'll play the clip of him in Riz Ahmed first. I've always believed uh-huh. that space exploration is crucial in our quest to cure everything that ails us here on Earth. So I have to ask, how does that work? You know, exactly the Life Foundation thing. How does it, how does it, uh, I don't know, how does it go about, say, testing pharmaceuticals? Eddie? We're talking about the rocket here? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm talking about the allegations. It says that you recruit the most vulnerable of us to volunteer for tests mm. that more often than not end up killing people. Uh, Eddie. Oh, the they never got we to jump out. Thank you very yeah. much. We're not finished. Yes, you are, Mr. Brock. Is that a threat? Have a nice life. But why, though? Why this? Why, why do you think going to space holds all the answers <laughs> to everything? Uh, I would presume that's answered in an earlier scene that's been cut. You know... For whatever oh, right, shape, that, for yeah. whatever structure they they tried to shambolically put together out of this film. In fact, structurally, here's the thing: this has been chiselled down to the bone so hard that if you watched that first trailer six months ago, you and, and tried to piece together the plot based on that trailer, what you'd get is very, very close to what you actually wind up with. What yeah, the finished product definitely. lays itself out as. And if, in case anyone's wondering, yes, that does mean it follows the basic formula and structure of the 2004 Halle Berry one, Cat one. Halle Berry woman, cat one. Halle Berry movie, cat one. <laughs> um, cat Berry is Halle woman. <laughs> Halle woman. That's ah, totally going to happen. Anyway, um, so here's the thing, though. I don't think it's Catwoman bad. And that's a problem. Because if it were Catwoman bad, you'd remember this more than you actually do. You and I saw this yesterday. And as we were just saying before we sat down to do this, neither of us seems to remember it that well. Like, we feel like it was a yeah. week ago. I remember it being in San Francisco. Yeah. Seems to be a really big, important point, but it's in San Francisco. In much the same way that, like, Ant-Man is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it with, with just films being in San Francisco? And then uh, on the poster, they've got to show the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. What hang is on, it with Hang that? on, here's the thing, here's the thing, right. So, you know how I said this isn't Catwoman bad? Yeah. I think it's Green Lantern bad. Green Lantern, also set in San Francisco. Yes, it is. So, so San Francisco is your fault. San Francisco, this is on you guys. I mean, you've got the Marvel movie, the other Marvel movie that's working for you, but you start getting better heroes. Anyway, so it's a loose adaptation of a 1993 series called Lethal Protector, which is... Uh, 
known as the first time they tried to spin Venom into being an anti-hero. The only problem with that is that that story only really worked because of the Spider-Man element of it. Taking Spider-Man out of that, the story here simply doesn't make sense. So his life was ruined before the movie began. He moved to San Francisco, and then his life gets ruined. Yeah. Like, okay, you didn't think that through, because that's the... I mean, the original version of this character, when, to- like, when Topher Grace played him, his life got ruined in an afternoon, the dude tried to off himself. I mean, really? It mm. doesn't make any narrative sense. I can't tell if Tom Hardy is trying to be brilliant or trying to be awful here. And frankly, I believe both are viable answers simultaneously. The only manner in which the film actually works is in that that fun dynamic between Venom and Eddie Brock, between Tom Hardy and his own deeper voice. Yeah, I think I think we said yesterday if it was just twenty minutes of that, them just going <laughs> exactly, around San Francisco, <laughs> like like Ethan Hawke and the French chick, just going around the city. What, yeah. what's, what's the name from the uh, before films? Uh, Judy Delphi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like that. Yeah. If if we had a before San Francisco, before San Francisco, <laughs> that would absolutely work. Yeah. With Eddie Brock and Venom, this oh, would be great. Link later is coming up later. So you know, funny enough, it's coming um, up link later. It's coming up link later. Oh, you jammy gear. Anyway, <laughs> um, the problem is. It's forgettable. It's not even that it's so bad you can have a good time laughing at it because you don't really get that. Instead, it's just a film that's sort of there. Stuff happens. And it's quite badly put together. And I mean in that way. Yeah. And we had this discussion, I think, yesterday, which was the, the bigger scale action is shot close up. The smaller mm. scale action is shot from a distance. Yeah. It's really odd. It's a very strange choice. And the result is everything either looks incoherent or pathetically small. And... That describes Venom to an absolute T, I think. Riz Ahmed speaks entirely in monologues. Michelle Williams seems to yeah, just be... he doesn't have conversations with people, does, does he? Does he? No. no. Everything's an Apple keynote with him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's just like, bad guy, bad guy, bad guy, high fives kid, bad guy speech. <laughs> ba- bad guy leaves. <laughs> it is pretty much that. If you yeah. don't, don't ask the guy how he takes his coffee. He'll give you a three-hour lecture on the history yeah. of coffee. Just be like, do, do you want cream? Yeah. I mean, at one point, this guy meets a test subject and then sits there and lectures him on the nature of the universe. And you're like, yeah, oh, you just oh, like let oh, him okay. die. Oh no, what's what like? It was the Bible, wasn't it? Yes, it was universe and the Bible, and that mm. was a lecture this poor schmo just got for no reason, apropos of nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know. By the way, here's a symbiote. You know, it's a very, very badly put symbiote, film. symbiote. What are we saying? By, by it, the way, it changes mid film. Did you notice though that all the bits in the trailer in which Jenny Slate said symbiote of have now been replaced in this version with the same exact sequences in which she says symbiote yeah okay so there's there's been a lot of ADR yeah well see I'm thinking you either reshot this which seems like overkill but I wouldn't put it past you or it's ADR and frankly I'd believe either but Mm. because the film is so hacked up it's entirely plausible I I don't know what to believe with this film I mean I don't believe for a second we're ever going to see a sequel and I'd be there might be some bits set up for a sequel. I don't think we're going to get a sequel. Well, it's, it's Amazing Spider-Man 2 all over again, isn't it? Let's let's set up a few sequels. And, uh, <laughs> let's set up six. <laughs> yes, a very specific number. And Oh, that's another one they've got in development as well, Sinister Six. That's one that's apparently in development. Oh, is it? Apparently oh, Craven. Still. Craven as well, the Craven standalone. Oh, of course, because the huge demand for the Craven the Hunter movie. But uh, Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think we're going to get any of those. I do think this is the Dark Universe, um, and I think it's the Dark Universe in the worst possible way, in that it's simply... You can't say that out loud. You get sued by Universal. (laughs) Oh, no. I don't think anybody even at Universal cares about the Dark Universe anymore. But in much the same way, nobody will actually care about Venom. Read the book. It's better. Uh, If you're going to see the movie, just take a pillow. With the latest film news and reviews... 
This is Offscreen. The Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, uh, we've, we've done Venom, so the unpleasantness is out of the way. And... Uh, I still feel like there's more to say. There's loads more to say. Like, you could just say, it sucked, it sucked, it sucked a thousand times. Yeah, I mean, or you could quote Michelle Williams from the film and say, I'm sorry about Venom. The <laughs> yeah. actual line from this movie. Or Venom himself, who says the words, I'm a loser. Or I'm kind of a loser. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, so I think they review the film nicely for you. That's It's good yeah. of them. Okay, so I've got a much better film for you. Okay, I right. like good films. I mean, I love bad films even more. Okay, do you like John Show? I do. Yes, I thought you did. Okay. Did you ever get around seeing Searching, by the way? No, I missed it. I'm just going to have to wait until it's out on some kind of home release. Home platform. <laughs> yes. Reference. Some streaming thing. Yeah. Okay, so um, Columbus is uh, a, a best described as, um, effectively, a character drama um, starring John Cho and Hayley Lou Richardson. Who was the best friend in Edge of Seventeen? She was Haley uh, Haley Steinfeld's best friend in that movie. I think she's also in Split. She's one of the girls one taken the in Split. She might be the one he killed. I think. Anyway, um, I've always wondered why I've never seen her in anything else. And she turns up in this. And what you've got is a movie that effectively plays like liberal arts with Josh Radner and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Lizzie Olsen. Yeah. I like liberal arts. Of course you do not, but... I, I do I not. Do. Yeah. I mean, and I blame my not liking that entirely on Josh Radner. But it turns out that if you take Josh Radner out of liberal arts and you replace him with John Cho, much better movie. Now we're cooking with fire. Okay, so the idea is uh, John Cho is a, you know a grown man. He's estranged from his father. He he has a job in which he's uh, he's translating uh, literature manuscripts into into Korean. Mm. Um, his father is a renowned architecture professor um, who is hospitalised. You know, it looks like it could be quite bad. It looks like he could lose him. And John Cho returns home to guess where. Clever title, I know, I know, right? Uh, there he meets, by chance, uh, a, a young girl working in the in the library, played by Haley Richardson, and they strike up a friendship. We have a clip of their uh, their burgeoning dynamic. This is my second favorite building. Second? What's your first? The house I was mentioning. I'm going to sign you up for a tour. It's the only way you can see it. Mm. But this is also by Aerosarn and sort of resembles the house. What do you know about it? Uh, this was one of the first modernist banks in America. You can imagine at the time that walking into an all-glass bank was quite unusual. Radical, really. So it's a fairly low-key, low-energy kind of a film. But it, it, it's in that, in that way that liberal arts kind of was as well. And it mm. works. You know, word for liberal arts, and it works here. Um, there's some... It, it is shot, actually, by documentary, uh, documentarian, uh, documentary filmmaker, uh, Kogonada. One name, Kogonada. Great. Great, great name. name. Great, great name. name. I know, yeah. Not as good as Director X. No, no, no. Of the Connecticut X's. Oh, no, wasn't it? It was the Toronto X's, wasn't it? Was that when it was New Hampshire? No, no, it was, it was Canadian. They, they, get, they get confused Director so, so X often. was Canadian. Oh. That was it, because I actually, I've had, I'd look it up, because I really wanted to get that joke right. Coganada <laughs> <laughs> uh, is making uh, their feature debut here, their narrative debut here, known for documentaries, and it's gorgeously shot. Like, there's some amazing shots in this. Like, just the opening uh, opening uh, pan into the library in which Hayley Richardson works just has this wonderful, almost Kubricky structural design to it. And the way it pans in is, is just tremendous. The film looks gorgeous absolutely throughout. It's very, uh, what I would describe as hipster sepia. In that in that wonderful way that uh, indie movies so often try to mm. be when they've been run through Final Cut nowadays. Remember when that was uh, the exception rather than the rule? 
Yeah, I remember when Napoleon Dynamite came out, it was a big deal that they'd used Final Cut to, to mm. edit it. And uh, simpler times, Mr. <laughs> simpler times. Um, so the stuff in it I really like. There's, there's a, a towny academic angle that it comes from. There's a, a parent-child familial relationship, that angle that it comes from, there's, by the way. There's a, there's a Culkin? There's, there's, there is a Culkin. Is it Kieran? Uh, or is it Rory? Rory. Is it Rory? Yeah. He's got the sort of witty... The witty traditional Culkin best friend mm. sort of a role in yeah. this one. He's he's the one from Signs, isn't he? I think yeah. he is. And, is he the and one Scream Four? Was he also in Scott Pilgrim? Was it was that with him as well? No, I, feel, I believe that's Kieran. Right, he's he's a mate. He's my favourite part about Scott Pilgrim. Is he? Yeah. You know who else is in this film, by the way? What's this that? is a name I haven't seen attached to a film in quite a while. Michelle Forbes. Oh of, yeah, uh, of Star Trek Restoration of fame, course, of, yeah. uh, a role Aaron. But, uh, of course, you're a Riker man, so, you know, you're familiar with Roller. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, the way it's framed, the way it's laid out, I just, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I love the, the earnestness that John Cho brings to it. It's one of those great, understated John Cho performances. Like, he, he always delivers so well. Uh, I think Hayley Lee Richardson is still as good as I always thought she was. I think she could be used better um, in more films, to be honest. I, think I want more films with her in. Um there's entire sequences that are just shot from really off-kilter angles in, like, bedroom mirrors and things like that in a way that should be a bit annoying, but actually works. Hmm. Not like that annoying single shot in the middle of the final battle in Avengers. You know that one that's just like a motorcycle mirror? Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, do you like that yeah. one? No, it was, it was terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought this was pretty good. Uh, I will see it again. I think you will absolutely adore it. It's, uh, you know, John Cho on, on you know, being allowed to absolutely own the limelight and mm. given a great two-hander with, uh, with Hayley Richardson. So, definitely, Mr. Allen. Good one, times. One for you, one for you. Do you take that away as you, as you uh, depart yeah. from these fine shores? So, a uh, piece of <laughs> film news for me to take me to the next one. What you got for me, sir? Do you know what's going to be the best film title of next year, if not for all future years? Don't worry, he won't get far on foot. I mean, I love that title. I do. I, do. I am looking forward to that mm-hmm. film. It'll be good. Um, do you remember uh, Happy Death Day? Yes. Yeah. You, you know we're getting a sequel. I, I did. We, Calvin and I talked about this last week. Oh, you've already spoken we, about we the, did. the title. It's, isn't it hashtag happy birthday to you? Happy Death Day happy to death day you. To you. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So let, uh, number two, letter U. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wasn't here last week, so screw, screw Calvin. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was my fault. Uh, <laughs> and I, I want to talk about it as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Such a good title. It is. Do we have any idea what the hell this song's going to be about? Because I haven't got a clue. Hopefully just the same again. I do remember there was an interview with uh, the writer when the first movie was sort of becoming a hit, that, mm. in which he said, we want the sequel to explore why it happens. And, yeah. yeah. Well, though, uh, Doug Lyman, I think, said something similar about Edge of Tomorrow as well. So this seems to be where you go with the sequel to your time loop movies. And we ain't got that either. But we ain't got that so, yeah. <laughs> Live Was it Live, Die, Repeat, Repeat? Is that the, the sequel? Think, yeah. Yeah. Or something again, was it? <laughs> I have no idea. Repeat and repeat again. <laughs> something. I have no idea what, I could, what, what that movie could be about either, but apparently it's very clever, I'm told. But uh, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> no, no, I don't get it at all. But, uh, you know, I am told that, uh, you know, from interviews and things, that that movie is apparently very clever. So I need to tell you about a movie. This is a really complex one to discuss. And in terms of telling you uh, the themes of the movie, I kind of have to tell you a lot about the plot. 
But you know, this is, this is public domain stuff, so you can find this. It's in the news. So this is a movie called A Thousand Girls Like Me, and it's the de- directorial debut of uh, Sarah Marney. Um, this is out Friday, October fifth, as well. Um, this is the story of a woman who, in fact, the movie opens by t- it's a documentary documentary that opens by telling us that in two thousand nine, a law was introduced in Afghanistan that made assault against women uh, not only assault against women illegal, but also mm. that the victims of those assault themselves were guilty of crimes of indecency. So if you were a rape victim, you were still a criminal in the eyes of the Afghani government because mm. you have committed an act of indecency, you know, even though it's obviously involuntary. That's and horrible. that's one of the worst things I think I've ever heard. Yeah. But uh, again, that, that's awful. Uh, it's, that's ins- and also 2009, seriously? Wow. Mm. Okay. Big Brother, as a franchise, has been around longer than rape has been illegal in Afghanistan. <laughs> Consider that for a second. Um, this is the story of a woman who came forward after just many, many years of abuse and five pregnancies at the hand of her father. She came forward, she went on telly, she did an interview, she had him sent away. The judge has now ordered at this point that the child she is carrying, the fifth and only set to be the second of whom actually, you know, that, who will see society. The father had previously taken the first three simply out to the desert after birth mm. and left them to die of exposure. Um, the judge has told her she has to keep this baby because it's evidence. So this baby will be born, whether she likes it or not, because it's the only way justice <laughs> is happening. And she says to us at many points, I wish I could have bought this pregnancy. She's also told by... You know, everyone in the community that she's a pariah, her own family tell her, we have mm. lost our dignity because of you. It is harrowing. Yeah. It is you think something like that, like that would happen quite a lot as well. That's not, that's not going to be on the case of that, is it? Well, that's it. And like the title of, of the film says, she's not an isolated case. This, this happens. You know, mm. As you say, you, you would think this would be more frequently heard a story. It, it's not. It happens all the time. But it, like I said, there's just a thousand girls out there like her at this moment in time. But, you know, the, the law is in such a way that it just simply disgracefully casts them literally into the shadows, makes them pariahs. Mm. Um, it is just absolutely harrowing. I, I can't think of another word to say. The emotions it brings up in you are, are astonishing. And uh, the, the interview segments we get with her are just to say they're moving is radically understating. It will mess you up inside, and if it doesn't, you should probably seek help. Um, it's a terrific documentary. It's out on Friday, and absolutely check that out. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, uh, should we uh, should we go to the top five for this week? Uh, yeah, why not? I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it, really. Number five. I don't know. Yeah, I've not got a text message up. <laughs> the Nun. The Nun, which is I thought was the best Conjuring spinoff, but no one. But it's still with me. terrible. <laughs> it's it's not great. It's it's, it's decent though. I, I thought the atmosphere was really good. I thought Con Hardy directed the hell out of it. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So has anyone tweeted us? Do we do we have yeah, anyone commenting one way or the other? Do they agree or disagree? Um, at Cods Cods with a K and two D's and an underscore <laughs> okay. says all of you who said hashtag Manon isn't scary clearly have ice inside your souls fair number four crazy 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 rich Asians I forget what country it is that's changed the title of this film to just crazy rich <laughs> there, there was a guy Lodge put it on Twitter this morning. He was in, I forget where he is. He's, he's taken a photo of it. There's a post that just says Crazy Rich. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of Crazy Rich Asians, as you know. Um, I 
You weren't enthused about seeing it, were you? Um, no, I, I will watch it. Mm. I'll just I'll watch it when it's on Netflix. I think, yeah, it's a home release for you. That's, yeah. that's, that's fair. So it's not that you won't watch it, it's simply that you don't want to take the time and see it at the cinema. Fine. Exactly. I mean, it's all the way ten minutes worth of my house. For I know. I mean, that's that's the kind of effort you shouldn't put into seeing, say, I don't know, Venom. Anyway, uh, so Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> but is, I did. <laughs> it's great. It's fun. It's uh, touching. It's shockingly smart for what's effectively a throwback 90s rom-com. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I was blown away with it. Also, I'm madly in love with Michelle Yeoh now. So, you know, there's that. Between this and Star Trek Discovery, uh, I might have to pledge my life to Michelle Yeoh. Uh, has mm. anyone tweeted about Crazy Rich Asians? Question. Do yeah. fans of Michelle Yeoh call themselves Yo-Yos? Because if they don't, they should. No, but I think that the, the Marvel character being called Yo-Yo, that's going to ruin that. They might be the Yo-Yos. Well, there's a Marvel character called Yo-Yo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's a Yo-Yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a Yo-Yo. Um, and let's talk about Lee Bingbing and Fan Chen Cheng. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what my favourite, like, fan name is? What? Chris Pines fans. Chris but, Pines fans? What yeah, are they called? they're called Pine Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, love yeah. it. Pine anyway, nuts, love it. Pine nuts. Um, at Alexis O'Hanian, I think, says, I know I'm late here, but hashtag Crazy Rich Asians is one of the best films I've seen in a while. Man's not seen Venom. Uh, easily one of the best rom-coms. Again, man's not seen Venom. I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Number three. To be fair, if you played Venom as a rom-com, much better film. Much better. If Much you play better. it as a slapstick comedy, it's a better film. Exactly. Anyway, <laughs> uh, a simple favour. We ain't seen it. No one knows what it's about. Apparently, it's really good. Yeah, apparently, it's really good. None of us have seen it. I will try and see it. I know you want. You wanted to try and see it last night, didn't you? I was going to see it yesterday. Yeah. And then, um, well, I was going to see it in the morning, and mm. then I couldn't be bothered to leave the house. Then I was going to see it after Venom, and then I wanted a coffee more than I wanted to see a film. That's absolutely fair. <laughs> in which case, has anyone tweeted? Has anyone else tweeted, have they seen it? Have they? This this person, Jessica, says I've seen A Simple Favour three times now. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, I ain't seen it once. And I'm really debating whether to go see it for a fourth time because I literally can't stop thinking about it. Uh, Blake Lively wears suits in it and she looks boss. She does. Number two. A house with a clock within its walls. I feel like if you'd done a Michael Caine voice as you did that, that would have sounded brilliantly creepy. <laughs> can, can, you, can you do that? No. I do a terrible Michael Caine. Everyone. Even Michael Caine does a terrible Michael Caine. Everyone does a terrible Michael Caine. I can't do... No, that episode of The Trip with Steve Coogan and, and Rob Brydon doing it, that oh, was, that is, that's good caning. Yeah. That's but, good caning. But they, they kind of teach you how to do it as well. So you lay mail back with the brandy and the cigars. <laughs> and, your, and your voice needs to be much lower. Like Charlie, what was my... There was a line from Batman I always used to quote in the Michael Caine voice. Is, is it from Dark Knight Rises? Rises. I don't know. <laughs> my my favourite is... I won't, I won't bury you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man, what was it? be nice when Wayne Manor's rebuilt. You can spot not sleeping in a mansion for sleeping in a penthouse. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we were talking about the House of Clock and its Walls. That was very good. Yeah, um, no Michael Caine, though. No Michael Caine. Uh, there is a lot of Jack Black, though. And more importantly, there's a lot of Kate uh, Blanchett. And, Carte Blanche. Uh, cool. She's brilliant in it. She's nice. a lot of fun. Um, I think this was a great family family movie, actually. It's the best film Eli Roth's ever turned out. Mm. I say that com- completely straight-faced. I mean that 100%. This is the best film Eli Roth has ever made. And his second... Yeah, the second place for me, obviously, is, is Green Inferno. Mm. But... Uh, I know you don't like him. No need to be hostile. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Over to you in the tweets. <laughs> uh, um, we loved this movie. Very fun, says at Elaine Wicks. And then she's put a purple heart, a spooky pumpkin, 
a clock and a key at House of a Clock. Number one. Night school. Yeah, there's not really much you can cleverly do with night school. I mean, the movie does does some clever enough stuff with it. Um, yeah. you, did you see this, by the way? I never asked. No, of course not. Uh, I did, however, mm. yesterday. Yeah. I watched Uncle Drew. Oh, did you? So I can review Uncle Drew for you if you want. <laughs> can you please, in the podcast extras, can you? Because I turned it off after 10 minutes. I couldn't be bothered. But uh, I turned that yeah. and the movie Heart Condition starring Bob, uh, Bob Hoskins and Denzel Washington off. <gasps> yeah. When did that come out? I don't even... 1990, I think. Oh, quite a while 1991. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so old that it was actually cool that Denzel had a mustache. How old is it? Yeah. So old. People don't date that movie. They carbon date that movie. (laughs) That movie's so old, people don't even make Game of Thrones references in that (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No Facebook mentions at all, Not one. No one says... No one tweets nothing. No. No one looks at each other with the phone in hand and says, viral... Viral <laughs> presses the send button. Um, yeah, um, so I'm saying this from point of view of someone that watched uh, Barbershop Free. Yeah. Um, what, what what was it called? The next cut. The next cut. Yeah. The next cut. And I had, had a quite good time. Okay. Um, I liked it. Okay. Okay. You can tell it. me one of podcast extras because I really want to know. I'll, 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 yeah. I will tell you some more. What were we talking yeah. about? Night, Night school. school. Night school. It's Kevin yeah. Hart's new comedy, which is decently funny. It's, it's pretty. Funny. It's forgettable. Yeah. Like, I, I I did bring it up because of Tiffany Haddish. Oh, she's in Uncle Drew, isn't she? She's the girlfriend, love interest. She's yeah. She's she's a girlfriend. She's a girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. Um. I don't get it. You don't get the Tiffany Haddish thing. I don't get it. I want to get it. I've tried to get it. I don't get it. You sound angry about this. I know. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing something. If you don't get it, I'll be really honest, if you don't get the Tiffany Haddish thing, Night School is not going to change that for you. No, but there's loads of people in Night School that I really like. Ah, here's the thing. So Night School, Romany Malko. Love that dude. He's great in it. Uh, Who's this? Taran Killam? Taran Killam from uh, Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Colby Smulders' husband. Yes. Is that who he is? Yeah. Wow. Good for him. Um, Colby Smulders, she paints, she bakes, she... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she really does all the things. Um, yeah, he, he's pretty funny in it. Um, ben Schwartz, uh, Ben, 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 not enough Ben Schwartz for me. Although he does get a very funny sort of uh, restauranty scene yeah. that I thought was qu- was quite good. And also, um, I forget the name of the young actress who played Nick Cage's daughter in Mum and Dad is in. Oh, this. she's in it. And actually, she, she's pretty good. Also, Marilyn Rascoop and uh, Rob Riggle. Uh, there's just a great oh, squad. Rob Riggle's in it. There's a great squad oh, right. to this. So it's, it's worth seeing for those... I'll, I'll watch it when I can watch it online like I did with Uncle Drew. Yeah, I think I think you will. I think you will enjoy it when you see it. But I think, like Calvin and I, you will forget this a day later. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. forgot that you'd even seen it, to be honest. <laughs> there you go, then. Um, has anyone on Twitter seen it? That's the important part. Uh, yeah, at Franco Kays says... Okay, I'm going to say this once. I'm, I'm too white to say You are. This, you really are. Tweet. That's actually a gag in the movie, by the way, about really? the, the white principal keeps using uh, African-American phrases. Oh, that's, that's in the in trailer. The, in the, yeah, yeah, where he keeps saying, like, this my house, and he just sounds ridiculous, like about as ridiculous as I do, Yeah, uh, doing it, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to try my best. Okay. Uh, if you haven't gone to watch Hashtag Night School by Kevin Hart and Tiffany Haddish, is it by them? Not really. I would understand they're probably producers. No, it's by Malcolm D. Lee and, and, yeah. and Will Packer. There so. we go. Uh, you you missing out. Um, I watched it three times in a row. I literally bought three tickets one after the other. <laughs> okay. uh, this movie is Lit AF. Lit AF! Or Lit AF. Uh, and then Three Fires. Three Fires. So Three Fires out of a potential five fires. So we could have enjoyed it more. Could have. Yeah. yeah. I think, to be honest, I gave it like a, you know, a three-star kind of review. But, uh, yeah, it, it was fine. Nothing to show home about. Do you want to give me a quick piece of film news before I review Terran Taboo? 
No. No? Good. Okay. <laughs> she'll, ask, she'll ask week, mate, if you want to slack off, slack off and go right ahead. <laughs> well, that, that Star Wars show we're getting, that's, that's got a name. And that's, yeah. that's film, so we can talk about it. Sure. The show is going to be called The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is the race that Boba Fett belonged to, isn't he? Mm. And there's a strap line saying that uh, after the stories of Django and Boba, Boba Fett, yeah. Boba, uh, another warrior emerges in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's going to be going to be someone. It's going to be a Fett, probably. Yeah, this is going to be fan friendly, isn't it? Mm. Well, you know, there are a lot of Fets in the Star Wars universe. For one very obviously there's, glaring reason. There's a lot of fets. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, he could actually be the child of, like, you know, Grandad Clone. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Grandad Clone or anything like that. You know, it could be, could be like that. We don't know. If, if you are doing that story, it works better as a show, I think. Than I a, think so. I think. a film. Yeah. I think. I'm looking forward to seeing mm. how that turns out on a sort of week-by-week basis. Uh, Rumours have linked uh, Pedro Pascal to the role. Yeah, you heard that. I would be so down. I would, I would. I think he could do it. There were a couple of directors named as well, weren't there? A couple of other ones. Like, wasn't Alan Taylor actually one of them? Yes, he was, yeah. Yeah, funny enough. Uh, Game of Thrones. Al- Alan Taylor, um, some guy in a hat. That's <laughs> Tim not... Burton? No. <laughs> Tiger Waititi. That's, that's, that's just his hair. That's not... T- it's just like that. Um, no, guy that kind of looked a bit like Robert Rodriguez, but was not Robert... You know, Robert Rodriguez, he always wears like a cowboy yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah, he wears that beaten, like, yeah, sort of scruffy, yeah. frayed cowboy hat. It, yeah. it was like that, but it wasn't him. And then yeah. uh, Johnny Fabs. Johnny Fabs, nice. Yeah. Okay, I look forward to that. That's what, meant to be like, what, 2019, 2020? Yeah. Something like that. The, the future. Only on Disney Play, or, you know, otherwise known as, it will be the most most torrented show in the world. When yeah. Because Game of Thrones won't exist by them. So, uh, let's talk about Terran Taboo really quickly. Um, this is uh, this is a rotoscoped animated <laughs> film. So I'm sorry, rotoscoped? Rotoscoped, is that the term? Oh, rotoscoped, right. Okay, yeah. I understand what that means now. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you said rotoscoped, and I was like... Rotoscoped? I was about to say, I was confused. <laughs> what What is a scope, and how does one... One rotate it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. How does one... Yeah, I got yeah. told off by a mum in the cinema once because I, I was walking past the poster for the last Mimsy and I sort of, whilst very under the influence... Did now, you shout Mimsy? <laughs> no. Mimsy! <laughs> Mimsy! Uh, no, Mimsy, isn't it? Uh, and I, I, whilst drunk, I was coming out of a screening of Sunshine and I asked a friend of mine, I was with, what the F is Mimsy and why is there a shortage of it? Nice. And uh, mother told, rightly so told me off in front of her children. That's, and I, I, I not only apologised, I told the children what I did was wrong. And that's the important part. Okay. So you both learned lessons, If I you bet. took the line, I told the children what I did was wrong, out of context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, Tarantabu, which is directed by uh, Ali Suzande, and this is a rotoscoped animated film. It has been filmed as a live-action production. Uh, it is basically a sort of interwoven ensemble anthology kind of a film it has a bit of a link latery feel to it mm. and uh, it's actually made as a film it is rotoscoped after the fact so the whole thing looks like scanner darkly or waking life or weirdly nowadays like a telltale game so you know by the way r.i.p telltale games because that was bad news this last week that was that was sad to hear yes i too was moved by that particular um, thing that happened I feel like JFK, where I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was Nixon, wasn't it? It was Nixon. Oh, was, oh, JFK's yeah, Nixon. the one who knew, yeah. and Nixon was and the uncle like, one. I, yeah. I, too, like that particular beverage. <laughs> the man's never had a duff in his life. <laughs> yeah. So, like I say, you're a, you're a link later guy. This has that, uh, because of the structure of it, and the rotoscoped animation, it has a strangely link later feel to it. The tone that it's going for does, like, people going about their, their lives 
does feel like something very rooted in Linklater. Of course, their lives are in Tehran. They have to put up with the prejudices of life in Tehran. The simple difficulties of, for instance, a female character going and getting some, getting some legal forms taken care of, but she doesn't have a man's signature on them and things like that. Mm. And there's, there's something in there for, for everyone. with us. There's a lot of very varied stories in there, but they do all take a similar, let's just say, social bent. Okay. They all take a similar, very pointed and targeted social bent. Um, the animation never feels too gimmicky, which is you know all for the best. I like that it has been focused on as a live film first because there's some great camera work in there, some great shots in there, and uh, you know I, I just thought it was really something. I, I just really liked it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. The Movie Marker Radio Show and Podcast. And we're back for literally one last ride, Mr. Allen. Literally one last ride. Oh, uh, it's the end of an era, my friend. Yeah, un- until I come back. But who, kn- who knows when that's going to be? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, kids, they kids they tend to live a really long time. Decades now. <laughs> you know, it's a whole thing. Kids today. <laughs> kids today, yeah. with their living to their 30s like it isn't the Dark Ages anymore. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> the oldest man in Pilgrim Village. <laughs> oldest man. He's 43 years old. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's talk about some film news before we get to A Star is Born. Yes, there's going to be a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. Did the first film in no way set this up. Not at all. No. It's not like there's literally the title to this <laughs> film mentioned at the end of that film. I know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but oh. bring it. I thought it was all right. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It's fine, isn't it? I'll probably I'll watch it with my mum. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a mum film. It's totally a mum film, yeah. and I like I like a bit of Poirot. I love a bit of Tash. Actually, can I just point a little bit of Agatha Christie. You say that's a mum film. You know, what my, you know what, when I say my, when I say mum film, you know what mm. a mum film is to me. You just mentioned this a couple of minutes ago. Hunter Killer. Yeah, yeah. That, that'd be a mum film in my house. I'll, I'll take your mum to the movies any day. <laughs> in no way is that weird. Let's, just... let's Hitchcock this. Let's just. I'll take your mum out. You take my. It's cool. It's cool. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that has got some people in it now. Um, it's uh, got Ken Branagh, presumably. K- yeah, K. Barry's coming back, um, yeah. which is cool. Is he directing again? He is, isn't he? I presume. Mm. 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 Yes, he is. Um, he is directing. He's being pro. Uh, Gal Gadot is going to be in it. Ah, a wondrous woman. Mm. Mm. And uh, Armando Hammer. Armando Hammer? Yeah. Of the Connecticut Hammers? Uh, is it the Connecticut Hammers? I don't know where he's from. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. He'd, he'd be a... Uh, Rhode Island. Is he yeah. like New, New England? He'd be a New um, England guy, wouldn't he? He absolutely would, would yeah. be. Yeah. No, I totally believe that. If you told me Army Hammer was a New England where boy... Where is he from? I don't know. Let's, let's, let's look this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's look that up. I want to know where Army Hammer's from now. This, this is good podcasting. This is great podcasting. Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Yeah. Birthplace. Re- really? You didn't just go to Wikipedia and... and Could have done. Could have done. Santa Monica, California. No way. United States of America. What? So he's of the Santa Monica Hammers. Of the Santa Monica Hammers. Oh, fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Okay, so... Is, isn't there a toothpaste called Arm and Hammer as well? Which is Army and Hammer, I think it Army, is. Is it um, Army and Hammer or Arm and I mean, Hammer? It, I mean, if it's Army oh, and Hammer... It is Arm and Hammer. Yeah. It is Arm and Hammer. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And he's Army Hammer. Yes, because I used to really like their bicarb solar toothpaste. Anyway, his, his full name... Uh, no, we're going to talk about Arm and Hammer some more. Go on. No, it's yeah, actually uh, Armand, Armand uh, mm-hmm. Douglas Hammer. Huh. Do you know, actually, funnily enough, I... Had, hang on. Armand Douglas Hammer. Yeah. Huh. ADH. 
Eight. <laughs> <laughs> the attention span to finish that off. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about a film. I was just going to say really quickly though. I did think about that during Venom. I was thinking Riz Ahmed seems kind of if he if they haven't hacked this debuggery, then it just seems like he's been miscast. Mm. Who would you have doing this? Army Hammer, actually, first name I thought up would have worked as the as the villain of. Probably been better. That would have worked. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Riz Ahmed and I love him getting big roles like this. Yeah, but great, I don't though. know if. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't service him. Like, he had more to do in Rogue One than he does in Phantom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least there he's actually central to the plot. Anyway, uh, okay, so let's talk about the biggie for this week. You knew it was the biggie. I knew it was the biggie. Every bus in the country has told us it's the biggie. You can't escape the marketing for a Star Is Born. <laughs> so right, so Star Is Born, which is the fourth version of the story now. Fourth, I think so. This is the fourth version of this tale in which a fading musician, you know, enters into a relationship with a young uh, prodigy, as it were, prodigy star, as it were, and as her career takes off, his declines, and the love story is somewhere in the middle, I would say, hmm. in, in that They, they kind of yeah. crisscross. 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 <laughs> uh, so, I forget who the first version was. Was it James Mason, the first, first one? Let's have a look. The, no the 1932, is it? Thirty. Might be about. I might have thought it was thirty-seven. Maybe it's in the thirties. There's the thirties version. There's the uh, version with God. Judy Garland. Judy Garland is the OG. Okay, who's who's the? Oh no, she's not. She's fifty-four. Oh, there's so many. There there are four (laughs) versions of this man. Right. Yeah. James Mason. Judy Garland Mm -hmm. is fifty-four. Yeah. Um, Chris Christopherson. And Chris Chris. Chris Chris and, <laughs> and, and, Babs, and Babs. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And Josh Brolin's mum in law. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, there were the 70s. Of course. And yep. then there is a the 30s one. I am not entirely Should sure. Should we just discount the 30s one for now? Right. Janet Gaynor <laughs> and yeah. Frederick March. Oh, man. Why did I think it was James Mason? 37. Because James Mason is in the Judy Garland one. Ah. 50, 54. Okay, that might be why then. Okay, so, uh, yes, yeah, so this is now the, the, the fourth version. And uh, Bradley Cooper's made his directorial debut with it. And as a backstory to this, this began life, this current iteration began life as Clint Eastwood project, intended to star Beyonce. And that mm. was the case for years. Now, as far as I know, Bradley Cooper was then cast as the male lead. Clint Eastwood decided enough time had passed he didn't want to do it, but he didn't want to give it up. Bradley Cooper then said, ah, I quite fancy directing a movie. And because he and Clint are good buddies, Clint said, well, why don't you take it? And, you know, I, I'll just... <laughs> you know, have a I'll, film. I'll teach you some stuff and, and, you know, just keep my name out of it. It's good. And, and you, you go and ride this one. And, and that's what happened. Of course, uh, we then lost Beyonce. We then gained Lady Gaga. And to be fair, this version wouldn't play, I don't think, quite as well with Beyonce. No. I think, for one thing, Beyonce's, Beyonce couldn't be as naive as Lady Gaga is at times in this movie. Anyway, so um, it's the fourth version. You all know it. You all seen a version of it. Here's a clip. Can I ask you a personal question? Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just, I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Well, because, like, almost every single person that I've come in contact with in the music industry has told me that my nose is too big and that I won't make it. Your nose is beautiful. You're showing me your nose right now? Yeah. You don't have to show it to me. I've been looking at it all night. Oh, come on. Oh, I'm going to be thinking about your nose for a very long time. You're full of I'm not full of I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, you're full of Touch your nose. Oh my gosh. Let me just touch it for a second. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm dying. You know, unconsciously you were starting to vibe to that music for a second. <laughs> I know I was. 
Um, that's the thing. You and I, obviously, we ran into each other uh, going into Venom yesterday, and, and I, I had just seen A Star Is Born, and we, we got to chat about it for mm. a bit. And I think you were surprised I'd enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, I really was. Yeah. I was um, expecting to have a fight. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that last week. <laughs> um, so, I really loved this. I thought this was a really terrific movie, and yeah, I think... I really it, loved it. I did. I, I, I thought it was amazing. I, I thought, uh, for a debut, Bradley Cooper has learned all the best lessons he can from Clint Eastwood. And he said, "There's got that American regalism, as I always call it, with Clint. There is a little bit more of an art housey, indie-ish, independent edge to it. There's a lot of very similar to. There's a lot of a, a, a real sense, a sensibility of the real to it. Every conversation in this feels as natural as it possibly can. And this has to deal with some heavy, heavy sort of family stuff and heavy issues. I don't think Bradley Cooper's ever turned in a better performance. I think this is, for me, his his high point. This is." A terrific performance. I still don't know who his character in this version is meant to be sort of based on from the real world. It seems to be. Well, sort of I, f- I kind of told you yesterday, it's like, it's not one person. It's, it's an like, amalgam. It's an amalgam. Mm. It's like, it's part Kurt Cobain, <laughs> it's part Chris Cornell, it's part Eddie Vedder, it's part John Mayer. But, but a little more cowboy as well. But more cowboy. So, part Chris Christopherson. Yes, part Chris, I did think that as well. I did wonder if that if the Chris Christopherson thing had been the influence there. But yeah. Definitely. Like, to the point that mm. there were scenes filmed at Glastonbury. Yes. That is during Chris Christopherson's actual set is at it? Glastonbury that year. Of course, because who else do you get to introduce that when you want to film it? Yeah, so... Yeah. That's that amazing. makes it even better. Oh. Yeah. But so I, I thought his performance. I think because it's almost a physical. Uh, it's a very much a physical performance as well. Mm. There is a, there is that this man clearly hasn't showered in three days. Feel to that performance. There is that uh, taking the voice down three octaves because drama. <laughs> and you know, and you do feel every cough. Every cough, every tick, every everything feels like it has been precision crafted to absolutely draw this character as vividly as they possibly can. Yeah. And that seems to be the big difference, I think, between this version and all the ones that have come before. This does seem to let the male figure take more prominence, I would say, than the female character. Whereas in previous versions, that hasn't really ever seemed to be the case. If anything, it's mm. always been female first. And there's something very strange about the idea that this comes along to be, let's get let's let the dude have a turn. And, yeah. I mean, obviously, Lady Gaga is amazing in this. She's, yeah. she's terrific. I didn't think she could possibly be this good. Yeah, she's pretty incredible. She really is. I mean, there's, yeah. it, it's not hard to see why she's been yeah. this empress of pop for a decade. Yeah, but also she's not just playing Lady Gaga. Well, that's it. You forget it's, it's her, don't you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we were saying it's like she's playing other pop stars. Yeah, there's times yeah. that she goes through phases, isn't she? But uh, I think the meticulous construction of the performances is why this works yeah. as well as it does. Like, I also think it works as well as it does because we've not had a version in this age of celebrity. Because we skipped one. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, we actually skipped one. If we're going by the timeline, we skipped a '90s version. We could have, had, yeah, we could have like a late '90s version. Because really. if we were going to keep it to the routine of once every twenty years, then we yeah. should have had the Christina Aguilera version in about 1999. But I'm glad we didn't. I don't know. I would, I would pay money to see like James Spader and Christina Aguilera in well, a '99 version of this. Oh, that age difference. Oh, he's James Spader. He can pull it off. But uh, <laughs> have you ever seen a James Spader? <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, secretary. No. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Oh, God, I miss James Spader in movies. Anyway, um, so I, I, I thought everything about this worked for me. I, I like the uh, the supporting characters in here, I think, get a real chance to go. Uh, Sam Elliott, absolute heartbreaker in this. I think you said you, mm. expect him, you expect him to get some awards nods for this. Yeah, well, I, th- I think... 
Yeah, all, think, for, all three of them are going to get nominated. Bradley, Bradley so. Cooper's going to get nominated three times, I would imagine. <laughs> probably, probably, probably will for this. There's yeah. definitely an original song uh, acknowledgement here because the soundtrack <laughs> that is one hundred percent going to win. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, gonna, it's just going to clean up when it comes to the song category, isn't it? The performance at the Oscars this year is going to be astounding. But uh, yeah, well, Bradley Cooper has to get there in his well, tux, like, and especially you know. if yeah, if he has to play as well, that'd be, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, if they do that duet of cellos, then oh god, there's so many great musical moments. In this. Yeah, um, um, one of those incidents, I think it's the very last musical sequence of the film, features features a snap cut that just broke my heart. Just absolutely <laughs> broke me. That I just, yeah. Oh my god. Same. Wow. Oh, something so, so something so simple and yet so effective. Amazing. Lovely. Yeah. Um, the the very I think the first big musical number with Gaga and Cooper, I think as well, is just that hits you in the feels. That when he finally gets her on stage, kind of the oh that time. one, yeah, the, the, the biggie, the, the kind of the trailer moment kind of thing. Mm. That is the moment that was like that just got me in the feels. Well, that's 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 the main song, isn't it? Yeah, that's that shallows. That's shallows. That's, that's shallows. Shallow, yeah, um, yeah. And there's, yeah. There's bits before that as well, like the opening the number so is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then of course there's a moment in it that and this is not I'm not I'm not belittling the film. I, I think the movie's absolutely terrific but there's a moment in it in which he sees her, her perform at the bar the meat cute as it mm. were he's watching her he's drunk at the bar you know the wash up star kind of thing at the bar drinking mm. sees the magical girl on stage playing the instrument and I'm thinking Mark, well, uh, Mark Ruffalo did this <laughs> Mark Ruffalo did this yeah, exact thing this is beginning again only, only he previsited all the instruments playing <laughs> <laughs> I like that film a lot. I love Beginning yeah. Again. In fact, prior to this, that was my favourite contemporary version of Star is Born. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. I, I do think this is going to be an absolute crowd pleaser. I think uh, it's been expected, as you said, that there's going to be you know, comparisons made to something like La La Land. Yeah, because I think people are going to love it, and then everyone's going to love it, and then everyone's yeah. going to just hate it. Oh, you're going to get sick of the hell of it. You're going to get sick yeah. of the sight of this. this. This is just going to bug you the hell out by the end of it. You're going to be so bored of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm really uh, glad that I saw it when I did mm. like before it was out on wide release yes. and I just went to go see it by myself like, Facebook's going to be fun this weekend yeah isn't it lots, lots of angry uh, basement dwellers complaining about the critics savaging Venom and not being bribed enough by Marvel and then all the girls yeah. nights out that are going to be yay uh, gaga forever but uh, yeah and then oh actually we're going to see a legitimate drama and uh, <laughs> Columbus is over there yeah yeah totally that's absolutely what's going to happen um so yeah, I mean, what do you think then? Film of the week, what are we going with? That. I mean, clearly, yeah. You're an idiot. You don't think there's no debate. Oh, yes. There's no debate, is there? It is, it is a Star is Born. Star is Born is clearly the best film out this week. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I will watch it again. I would mm-hmm. like to see it again now. <laughs> I won't, you but both. I could. Hey, at least we know one of us is getting the Oscar screener this year. Because that'll be sent through in December. Oh yeah, that'll yeah. Be fun. I'll watch it then. Yeah. So when the Oscars, because yeah. all around, all around my gaff for, uh, for over Christmas, we'll, we'll watch Star Is Born together. Yay! Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bring a baby with me. <laughs> PJ Day this year. What's all do? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, what we've got next week to come? We've got. Uh, oh, I keep forgetting because I'm seeing Halloween next week, but it's not out next week. So that's that's oh, kind no. of thrown me. Yeah. So uh, next week, the biggie is First Man. Next week. <gasps> ah. Vas come around. So, really yep, Dazelle's back and he's going to the moon. Uh, we've also got, and this figures because you're your first week gone, uh, Mandy is out next week. Yeah, what a shame. Yeah. yeah, I'll spoil it now. It's amazing. <laughs> okay, I know you have watched it. It's amazing. Uh, we've got Make Me Up next week. We've got MFKZ, whatever that is. Uh, we've got Sync next week. We've got Smallfoot 
next week. Are we optimistic yeah. for small? Oh, yeah, must be animated. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bigfoot, Big Bigfoot, thing. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Bigfoot, Littlefoot cardboard box. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and of course, last but certainly by no means least, there are bad times at the El Royale next week. Oh, yeah. I know. That looks nice. I hope it's like Hotel Artemis, but better. That's, yes. that's, that's, my, that's my goal with that one yeah. so yeah so we've got all those to come and more next week off screen with one of my two lovely new co-hosts in the meanwhile uh, yeah. oh, I don't in, know who this is exactly so I'm Ooh. preserving the mystery for you so in the meanwhile this has been the Kelly Store production for Movie Market I've been Van Connor and for one last time I'll see you in a bit we'll be back <laughs> just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. And podcast extras for the very last time. Well, for now. Mm. Well, for the very for now. For now. For now. For now. But, uh, yeah, so anything else you want to pick on in Venom? But while we're at it, we've got some time. Because um, I did love the, I did like the score, but the score clearly belongs to a better film. Yeah, the score is by um, Ludwig, Ludwig Göransson, Göransson who did Black Panther and loads of Charles Gambino stuff, and is amazing. It's a really good score. It's yeah, not for intended um, for this movie. I what think. else? Yeah. Um, there's there's some people with fantastic names that worked on this thing because <laughs> um, we we obviously had to stay behind and watch all the credits. All the credits, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. someone who worked on this film whose actual legitimate oh, yes. name is uh, Remington Steele. Yes. We did find that. And also, they're not the only Remington. There was another Remington. Yeah, what are the odds? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, two thousand. An actual Remington Steel that wasn't Pierce Possum. <laughs> and you know as well, given the age of Remington Steel, yeah. that clearly that's not a coincidence. No. Yeah. Somebody's parents had sex, they were the result, and then <laughs> Remington Steel. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not their real name, and they just turned up, they'd accidentally walked into the production office one morning, mm. and just said, <laughs> that is my name. I am here to assume this role. Yeah. Like Remington Steel actually did. So, did people find out his name? I can never remember. I don't think we did. Oh, I used to love Remington Steel. In fact, I always remember there's one funny moment in Remington Steel in which he's trying to climb aboard a yacht. And you know how he used to do that thing where he would come up with an idea and then he would quote film title, actor, year, every mm. time. He does it with a yacht, sneaking onto a yacht. And he says, Goldfinger, Sean Connery, 1960. Yeah. And I'm like, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was a, a fun moment. I can't mm. do a. I, sometimes I can do a Pierce Brosnan. I can't do a Pierce Brosnan a lot though. But uh, so, uh, piece of film news before we do the first of our two last reviews. Then what you got from me? I sir? got. Um, I don't know. Oh, I, I've got one. I've got one. This is insane. Okay. Okay. You know Capcom, the, uh, the, the video the game, game company. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, they own the Mega Man brand. Yes, they do. And they are officially pushing ahead with 20th Century Fox for a live action Mega Man movie. Which get this. Technically makes Mega Man a Disney character now. Hey. <laughs> oh, that's going to be good. And the directors of um, Catfish will be writing. And are we? Are we? Are we allowed to be fine with them now? Wasn't Wasn't one of those directors done for being a bit of a creep? I, I, I don't know, but uh, you know, apparently, all you need to do is walk onto stage at a comedy club now, and you're you're good. You're back. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, he or, did that or again, by the way. Yeah, he did. He did it a second time. Yeah. Like, Dude, literally read the room, Louis. Like, have have a year. Have a year oh. off at least or something. I know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I kind of always wanted to, like, travel to New York and see, you know, Louis C.K. travel in, you know, uh, performing the comedy, the comedy store. Comedy yeah. store. It's, it's, it's the, he does the seller one, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's one of my dreams in life. And now I'm actually going to New York. I am going to go to the comedy seller. Mm. I am praying he doesn't walk up on stage. Mm. 
Praying. Yeah. Can, can you imagine? Could, yeah. Just imagine it happens. Uh, okay. We're just going to have to do this, yeah. aren't we? Um, I came up with a new like bucket list dream the other day. What do you got? Um, so I found out whilst watching Pointless. Mm-hmm. So there is a train in Canada that goes from Toronto to Vancouver. Yeah. If like yes, all, there is. Yeah, all the way across. If you are a musician mm. and if you are willing to play and entertain people on that train for the entire thing, yeah. you get a significantly discounted ticket. Right. Yeah. I think we've just found out what your first family holiday is going to be. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Absolutely, why not? Yeah. Yeah, um, that is one, a brilliant idea. Yeah, and one of our friends now lives in Toronto. Get, get this. Um, so we're going to do that. My buddy got married recently, the one I was best man for. Yes. That's what he did with his honeymoon. He went on that train from uh, Toronto to Vancouver. Oh, did he actually? Yeah. But he, he didn't play for anyone. He, he didn't play for anyone, oh, no. Sucks. And as, as far as I know, he didn't even go and take the Suits tour, which just seems weird. Like, no Flash tour, no Arrow tour. No. Like me, I'd be doing all those tours. Do you know what? Uh, then again, I'd, I'd be the worst new well, word. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just feel like, the central city. <laughs> I mean, oh, the set of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Screw the honeymoon, I want to go find Jitters. <laughs> um, speaking of suits, I <laughs> I watched a film the other day. I watched a uh, like a made-for-TV movie yeah. based on Meghan Markle. No way! I played Meghan Markle? Some no-name actress. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, cool. it, it was... It was so entertainingly bad. Really? I, I need to remember what it was called. But yeah, if, well, it, hang on. It, was, it was about Meghan Markle and her engagement to Harry. Hang on, if you make a Meghan Markle biopic, yeah. don't you at some point have to take on actors to play the Suits actors? You'd have to. They were kind of skipped over. Like, you see her on set, but, but you, 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 be... you don't see anyone else from right. Suits. You just see, like, a director of Suits. That's so weird, because... Wouldn't you have a scene in there in which she has to go and tell her on-screen uh, fiancé that he's going to be unemployed because she can't be a working wife? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a very obvious scene that you'd have to do in a Meghan Markle biopic because them's the breaks. But yeah. uh, was, it, was, yeah. it, was it this one? Um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think there's a couple. <laughs> it was a Lifetime... Oh, yeah, it's this one, a Lifetime movie. Yeah. yeah. We got Okay, so th- this, is, this is what we look like, first yeah. of all. Okay, go on. Show, show me the image of this. Um... That's just a ginger dude with... Actually, she does look kind of weirdly yeah, like Megan. she's not bad. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty on point. He's, he's just a ginger dude. Just a ginger dude with a beard. Uh, what, was it, what was it called, the film? Uh, Harry and Meghan, A Royal Romance. Uh, yeah, he's on Netflix. Uh, I, I don't know. It might be. I forget even what channel... I, I think I saw it on the Paramount Network mm. channel. Uh, okay, I'll give you one, one last nugget before I do the next review. All right. Because uh, we, we, we have a new bit of DC casting, apparently. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is this the one that's literally just happened? Uh, yeah, I think it was today. Uh, Rosie Perez. Yes. Rosie Perez yes. Uh, is going to play Renee Montoya in Birds of Prey. That, and that is quite a significant role. Is it? It is. Renee Montoya is, uh, Who is, she? is a huge character. She, she's she, a cop. She is an openly gay uh, GCPD cop. Oh, cool. Um, who does become the default, uh, the, the go-to cop for sort of those characters. Mm. It's... Uh, is, is, it a big, is it a big deal, uh, Birds of Prey? Uh, I th- in terms of what it represents, yes, it is. Hmm. In terms of what it represents as regards the depiction of women superheroes, and the fact that it's a team of them, it's a really significant, you know, it's yeah, a really significant cool. achievement. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, it's not the first time the Birds of Prey have been done on the screen. Uh, probably won't even be the best way the Birds of Prey have ever been done on hmm. screen. And they were on Arrow, weren't they? They were on Arrow. They also had their own show at one point. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they had a spin-off of Smallville. 
Smallville did a spin-off back in 2002 or 2003, set in its own future in New Gotham, featuring the daughter of Batman and Catwoman. Mm. And that was their version of the Huntress. Interesting. And they had a team that was her, uh, Black Canary, although she wasn't called that, and Oracle was the leader of the team. So Barbara Gordon in a wheelchair as Oracle, played by Dina Meyer from Starship Troopers, huh. led the team. Oh, and the villain was Harley Quinn, played by Mia Sara. Right. Yeah. Oh, and the whole crux was you, you, this was meant to be a twist, and she was actually the psychiatrist of Huntress, and this is how she was like hypnotizing her and getting all the secrets and things. That's the twist. It was, well, it's, it's in like the first episode, that's the twist. But um, yeah, it, it was complete gubbins. Yeah, but it was, sounds uh, it. But it was amusing gubbins. <laughs> Gubb- gubbins nonetheless. <laughs> it, it really was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, what do you call him from SWAT and Criminal Minds? He was the love interest in it. Shamar Moore from Criminal oh, Minds. Yeah. He was the love interest in nice. His name was Detective Reese, I think. But, uh, yeah, funny. Anyway, uh, let's see. What review have we got to do first? Oh, Kusama Infinity okay. is first. All right, not, not, not an awful lot, really, to say on, on this one, because it, it's a documentary that you're sort of either going to like or not. Um, this is a documentary, obviously, about uh, Yoyoi, Yoyoi Kusama. Is that how I say, how I say his name? It's Y-O-Y-O-I. Yoyoi, I think. Oh, so I'm, Yoyoi- I'm getting confused, then, because I thought you were talking about the lady that did uh, The Invitation. Oh, right. No, no, different no, person. no, no, very different person, yes. So this is uh, by a document- documentary maker, Heather Lenz, uh, Kusama Infinity, documentary about the artist, Yoi Kusama, um, who moved to, uh, moved to New York, having sort of started out as an artist in post-war Japan, uh, moved to the US in 1958, moved to New York City, and set about establishing herself on the coveted New York art scene, at a time when, obviously, the New York art scene was becoming a whole other thing at a time when pop art was coming into into focus and that was starting to dominate proceedings you know pre-warhol and things like that uh the idea is that she has uh, she went she set up a low level name for herself fell out of favor attempted to go back to japan at one point to revisit her roots was treated as an outsider for having sold out to the americans because you know that was that was the climate Mm. You know, in Japan, that was the climate. And then, of course, returns to become the biggest star she can possibly be. Uh, Yoyo Kasama is officially the most successful artist living today, if you didn't know that. I didn't at all. I, I wasn't aware. No, I was not <laughs> I, aware. I thought it was Harry Styles. Apparently, this is the whole thing. In uh, Social media has apparently given her another sort of burst of popularity. Apparently, due to social media, since 2013, five million people have viewed her work, have gone and viewed her work, and this is apparently down to social media. And you do get this wonderful moment of seeing people taking in the art, and and they're all there with smartphones, kind of playing and taking pictures with these. Because uh, Kusama specialises in the infinite. She likes simple dotted imagery and stroke that, that she uses to depict vast infinite spaces so the mm. mirrored rooms for instance and things like that and we do get sort of attempts of people to cash in on her work to rip it off things like that and the attitude she has because she's a fascinating subject because to, she had serious mental health issues that she struggles with today she now lives in, she now lives in a psychiatric hospital that she's allowed to simply walk out of during the day and she has a studio that we're told is two blocks from this hospital and every day she wakes up she you know she has a shower puts her clothes on go walks two blocks to this hot to this studio does her work for the and then returns to the psychiatric hospital because it's that's the environment she finds nurtures her creative talent and i thought this is a really fascinating story i didn't know anything about the woman 
And, I mean, aside from the fact that there's some very obvious influences that they borrowed for Edna Mode, like, that, that very clearly happened. Yeah. There's certain, you know, there's, there's certain personalities you just know are in Edna Mode's character. Yeah. And Kusama is clearly one of them. Yeah. Um, the artwork that's in there, obviously, makes this whole, lights this whole thing up like it's Vegas night at the Tate Modern. <laughs> and then, I thought that, and then the Tate Modern appeared in it. And really? they showed you her work in the Tate I'm like, oh, of course it did. <laughs> Oh, of course it is. <laughs> um, I did think it was a very good documentary. I did. I, I came away. I came away. Yes, the, with the best result I can get from these things, which is go in, watch a documentary about someone I don't know. This documentary draws the person in such a significant way that I think, wow, okay, brilliant. I now know feasibly everything I could possibly know about this person. I feel like I understand her, and I feel like I'm ever going to have a conversation with another human being about that person. At least I'm now mentally sort of stocked, you know, stacked yeah, up. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm revving. I've got it. But uh, so that's yeah. it. So I'm Infinity out this week. Uh, worth a look, definitely. So over to you, sir. Cool. You? Um, apparently, the female Jump Street is still a thing that what? will happen at some point. Maybe, possibly, yeah. we don't know. Oh, is this like the Jump Street Men in Black crossover? Uh, yeah, I think that's dead. <laughs> I think that's dead. <laughs> yeah, because we're, we're just getting uh, people in black, and I'm fine with that. Yep. So yep. Looks Seems up. Have you had uh, Netflix have bought the Chronicles of Narnia rights, like to the whole franchise? Have they? Yeah. Oh, make, make an OG Netflix oh, show about it. That's th- way that's better. That's it. No, apparently they're do, they're treating it as a sort of cinematic universe. This is this is the equivalent. Right. But this is the fu- this is the funny part, right? I did not know this. This me this marks the first time in history that any media company has ever owned the rights to all of Narnia. No one else ever has. Yes, I was aware of it. I wasn't because there's been issue with doing like the silver chair. Yes, because that was going to be the next one mm. they were going to do, I believe, but they could not do it. Yes, exactly. It's uh, very strange, that one. Yeah. Oh, uh, Fan Bing Bing got found. Hey, found Bing Bing. They, they found Bing Bing. They found her. They found Bing Bing. Hey. Has anyone found Chang Chang? How's Chang Chang? No. I don't care about Chang Chang. But uh, yeah, apparently um, <laughs> she has appeared and uh, she owes over $100 million in taxes. How yeah. is that even possible? Right, Calvin explained this to me last week. So let me see if I can piece it together. There's this whole system in uh, in China, right? I forget what it's called. The system is called... Oh, I've never... Known, yin-yang contracting. It's called yin-yang contracting, which is you get two contracts for uh, for a project. The one you report to the tax man, the one you mm. pocket. This right. is And this is a common practice. Now, it's not that unusual, because there is something in the Middle East called the Wasta system, and it works on along a similar kind of lines, like you don't need to take a driving test if you kind of know the dude who works in the DMV. Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, same exact thing. Um, so this is apparently how it's happened. She uh, has $70 million in, uh, in back taxes. Oh, sorry, fines of $70 million and $37 million in back taxes. So, uh, huh. yeah. So 107, uh, and she, she told this to her followers and apologised on Weibo, apparently, this week. Which uh, What is a Weibo? Weibo must be some kind of huge Chinese social network because she has 62 million followers on it. So, I'm just putting it out there. She could literally set up a GoFundMe and ask everyone for a dollar. Yeah, and, and she'll family, be fine. She'd be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Is, is Weibo like Bebo? I, I don't know. I mean, is anyone going to try and kill a Legends of Tomorrow villain with it? I don't know. But uh, Weibo.com. There's a footballer called Pierre Weibo. Yeah, just found that out now. Who's that footballer that turns up at the beginning of Triple X3? You know the one? Oh, yeah. yeah. In, in, the, in the restaurant. Yeah, the South American with, with kid that everyone's obsessed with at the moment. Who, who was that? I can't remember. What is this uh, Weibo? 
We, I have no idea. I'm just looking. Apparently, seven people have joined uh, Top Gun Maverick. I've not heard oh, yeah. of any of them. So, apparently, Kara Wong from Good Trouble, Jack Schumacher from Empire, Greg Tarzan Davis. You'd think you'd know a dude named Tarzan. Yeah. Greg Tarzan Davis. Greg Tarzan Davis. So, like, not to confuse himself with the popular giant British comedian, Greg Davis. Yeah. It was like, Tarzan. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. So Greg Tarzan Davis from Chicago PD, Jake Picking from Blockers, <laughs> uh, Raymond Mothra Lee from Mozart in the Jungle. So we, we might recognise the dude from Blockers. We might recognise the dude from Blockers. I, I, no, I don't know if this is a picture of him, but there's a picture of a dude on, on this iPad right here. I don't, I don't uh, know. I don't know. Kind of the poor man's like uh, Jesse Rodriguez from... Who's the guy from... Bad I don't Moms. even know who Jesse Rodriguez is. Oh, man. I can't remember. From the love interest from Bad Moms. Anyway, uh, Gene... Oh, that, um, uh, Diablo from is Suicide he... Squad. Yes. yes. Yes, he is. Yes. Okay. I, possible I'm confusing him with Adam Rodriguez now. Anyway, never mind. Um, Gene Louisa Kelly from Ant-Man. Don't know who that is. And Lilia Ray from Strange Angel. Don't know who that is either. So there you go. Huh. Yeah. And beginning a live-action Lilo and Stitch. Oh yeah, that's that's happening apparently. Um, is is that going to be on the streaming thing? I don't know actually. I wonder. I would think so. That one you would think. Would you? I don't think that's going to be uh, kind of a huge theatrical thing. Does Lilo Stitch have that much of a fan base? Yeah, it does. Really? Yeah, it's it's huge. Pop. I don't know if because like you're a few years older than me. Yeah, not, not to remind well, you anything. No, no, that's fine. But Lilo Stitch came out when, like two thousand two, thereabouts, two thousand one, two thousand three. I think it's more like two thousand and one, something like that. So yeah, I was already in my late teens. I was like eighteen yeah. when that came out. Like, exactly. Like that, so. um, yeah, it it is really popular. Um, I want to know when my Game of Thrones style Black Cauldron film is coming out. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't that be a thing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good God. So, um, yeah, what's what's the next Disney live action? Is is that Aladdin? Is that Aladdin? Uh, next? I think it's Dumbo, actually. Oh, is that? Oh, yeah, Dumbo's March. Dumbo's March. It? I think Aladdin's God, next year, year is going to be insane. <sighs> All the money. Yep. That it's going to be really, really Al- <laughs> Aladdin and Lion King. <laughs> it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to Plus, it. Plus, Captain Marvel, yep. Spider Man, and Avengers. Uh, Avengers. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> I've just learned of another movie. I'm going to share this one with you. <laughs> right. Do you remember when, uh, remember when Battleship came out? Which, incidentally, I rewatched a bit of this last week. And wow, that movie does not get better with age. Yeah. Um, you remember when that movie came out and it was revealed that they were they, that Ridley Scott has the rights to a Monopoly movie? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember when that happened and everyone was like, well, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Was it Monopoly know? or Life? Oh, no, Ridley Scott was Monopoly. Was mono- someone else must Someone else. Life. I think someone does have Life, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think that was set up for Paramount as well, Monopoly. But anyway, really? the whole thing was, Monopoly, what are we going to get next? Well, let me yeah. tell you what we're going to get next. Dance Dance Revolution. That's what we're going to get nice. next. You're getting a Dance Dance Revolution movie. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Why not, though? We already have a step-up series. Mm. Oh, isn't that kind of... we got a step-up. we got a step-up to the streets. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. Those two are like dirty dancing things. And the, Doesn't it just, the like, sequels just are all them. just Dance Dance Revolution now. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It's always like, we've got to save the community centre from the property developer by dancing. Yeah. You know. And his, his evil eyebrows. Yeah. The eyebrows played by Peter Gallagher's eyebrows. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be like, Peter Gallagher, and then like the next one will be like, Matthew Modine, and then the one after that's like, Kate Donovan. And, you know, just that kind of, <laughs> that kind of cast. So anyone that's ever been in VOC, apart from Matthew <laughs> Modine... <laughs> 
Tate Donovan, by the way. Alan Dale turns up. I did not know this until last night. Yeah. Tate Donovan turned up in one of my Guilty Pleasure TV shows as a recurring character. MacGyver? Yes. Yeah, he's MacGyver's dad, isn't he? I did not know this. Good casting. I always assumed they would just get Richard Dean Anderson to do it. He was so. in a trailer for a film that's coming out. What is it? I need to find it now. Who? Richard Dean Anderson? <laughs> Uh, no, uh, Tate Donovan. Tate Donovan. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Hercules. Hercules. Yeah, yeah. Tate Donovan is Hercules. Is he? Oh, of course he the, was. The Disney one. Yeah. Yes, yes. Do you know? I don't remember Hercules at all. You just, I, you just remember James Woods. I just remember right. James Woods. I mean, incredible. Hades. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Hades. Yeah. yeah. Like Tim Curry level. Hades. What was I? Uh, Tate Donovan. Tate Donovan. I'm looking what for is Tate he doing Don- now? Oh, while we're doing that, can I just tell you that apparently Lady Gaga fans declared war on Venom this week, and yeah, which is madness. It's the most pathetic because you can only see one and- film this weekend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Are her fans the Little Monsters, or is that Katy Perry or something? No, that's that's Gaga fans. Is that, they're little the Little Monsters. monsters. Yeah. Oh, okay. What the? F- What's the Katy Perry one? What are the Katy Perry ones called? Left Sharks, I think. <laughs> that would be amazing, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would be ace. Um, uh, so yeah. go on, what's this, what's this film that Tate Donovan's in? Yes, it was the trailer yeah. for The Upside. <gasps> Damn it, I saw the. I saw it was on there this morning and I didn't watch it and I want to watch that and yeah. I want to watch Vice. Oh, we'll do that before you leave. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Man, the Vice trailer. Oh, just. You, you give me Christian Bale and a physical transformation, and I'll show you a good he, movie. Yeah. <laughs> he just is Dick Cheney. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Um, I didn't realise. I mean, obviously, Sam Rockwell and anything is incredible, but mm. that is, like, amazing casting. Oh, it really is. Because when you see him with the hair. Oh, no, I've just he, seen the he, images and be like, of course he can do this. Of yeah. course he can. I should never have doubted him for a second. Mm. And, yeah. Um,. I do one more for you. Hang on. You'll like this. A biopic for George Carlin. I was just going to tell you that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> from the writer of uh, Moneyball. From a writer of Moneyball, indeed. From yes. a writer, because it wasn't Aaron Sorkin. Didn't he do some Moneyball as well? I think... No, I think... Yeah, I think Sorkin took it over, didn't he? Did Sorkin not take it over? It's the final draft. It just says, is his, yeah, it just says co-writing Moneyball mm. with Aaron Sorkin and Steve Zalian. Ah, okay. But yeah, so uh, we're getting a uh, George Carlin biopic. Who the hell do you cast as George Carlin? That's a good point. Do you know? I don't even know. You know what? I've got a really oddball choice. And he's kind of age indeterminate, so it could work. Kevin Smith. <laughs> Hear me out on this one. Ed Norton. I actually think that yeah, could work. Yeah, I could work. see that. Yeah. Because he can go really mental when he needs to. Yeah, and you can give him prosthetics and stuff. Yeah, like with the prosthetics and the the wiry movements and the way Carlin moved. Yeah, I feel like Edward Norton. Sorry, you're never supposed to call him Ed. That's a thing. Uh, Edward <laughs> Norton, unless you're Bruce Willis. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's 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 my pick. I would get Edward yeah. Norton to be. Uh, yeah, I mean Christian Bale. Because at this point, I think the only person that he can't play is... Kevonja Wallace? No, Christian Bale. That's the only person that he can't play. Um, yeah, you could get Kevonja Wallace. She's, she's a comedian, isn't she? Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, George Carlin. I can't wait to see a biopic about George Carlin. Mm. There's going to be... Yeah, I would watch that. Uh, there's going to be a Sesame Street movie. Oh, yeah, there is. It's a director and everything, doesn't it? Yeah, a director of uh, Portlandia. Okay, cool. I can that, see that. Uh, that. That totally works for me. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, can I just do the last review then, and we'll wrap up the, the film news? I need to talk about Strange Ways. Here we come. This will be fun. This will be really fun. So, first of all, I have no <laughs> earthly idea why this is called Strange Ways. Here we come. Nothing to do with Smiths, is it? Nothing to do with Smiths. Why is Salford anything to do with the Smiths? Is that the thing? Because the movie's set in Salford. Maybe that's it. But yeah, the Smiths are from Salford. Is that the thing? Yes. Okay, cool. That, that's that's is, it. Then. At any point, if you go to Salford's Working Men's Club, 
No. Right. No. That's that's like a big thing in Smith's law as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Let me just uh, pull up the IDB page on this one because I want to be as fully prepared for this as I possible. This is the uh, the, the first uh, film by, but it's written and directed by uh, Chris Green, um, and <laughs> this is about the tenants of a council tower block who band together to kill the loan shark who is terrorising terrorizing each of them individually, who is ruining mm. their lives. And, of course, the immediate aftermath of what happens with the whole let's kill the dude thing. Uh, I'll tell you what, here's a clip. Once upon a time in Salford. Tommy! Now, do we all swear never, ever to breathe a single word about this again? I think we need to get rid of the body. Somewhere no one will ever find it. I've got sat now. He's <laughs> dead. There's no big chance of it tipping, is there? He's <laughs> 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 got the place around it. Just chill. It's all right, mate. It's fine. I've got to prison for murder. I'll tell you now, it's about as fun as it sounds. And it sounds crap, doesn't it? But, uh, okay, so the tagline for this movie, I swear to God I'm not making this up, is a seriously funny film about students' loans, blackmail, fetish, booze, party, murder. Um, and in each one of those words, they have, uh, they've uh, illuminated one letter in red <laughs> so that it spells Salford. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah. I mean, personally, I take more offence at them actually referring to it as a seriously funny film. Because <laughs> I can tell you for a fact, I did not laugh once in this. In fact, yeah. I wasn't interested once. Um, it stars... I mean, its biggest star is Michelle Keegan. So, which you imagine accounts for most of the financing of this movie. I feel like I know Lauren Lauren Socher. Uh, you will know Lauren Socher probably from the series Catastrophe, I'd imagine. Yes, I and do. And I think Misfits. But she's, she's the nanny yes, in Catastrophe. And uh, guess what? She's got the stock performance she always gets to give here. Um, there's loads of stuff in here that's just absolute garbage. There's a character by Nina Wadia from EastEnders that I just can't figure out what the thought was. Every woman over a certain age in this movie seems to be a nymphomaniac. I can't explain why. I can only imagine that Chris Green and, and the people who came up with the movie just have a, had a weird upbringing, and yeah, that's the only thing I can, I can imagine, because it's just weird that everyone over a certain age is a nymphomaniac. And if they're not... Just give them drugs, man. <laughs> and then it'll happen. I mean, there's literally a villain in this movie who, I think, what do they, they give a meth or something? I think they give a meth or something meth, like meth, that. Meth. And the result of her being on meth is mm. effectively that she's a psychotic, cannibalistic nymphomaniac. Well, that's what happens. That's what happened to me that weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, despite no displays to the contrary, also goes for women as well at that point. That's another thing that gets dumped strangely in there. I can't figure that one out. But uh, there's also a character, and I want to remind you, this movie is coming out in 2018. Uh, there's a character in there whose entire function is to, is to talk about bumming. Nice. And I mean, it's really edgy. It really is. 1993 is going to be huge. It really is. <laughs> Can't wait to see Clerks. No, yeah. It's going to be. I mean, I hear good things about this Quentin kid. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, Mirror yeah. Max? I think that's the name of a studio. <laughs> Mirror Max? Yeah. What a strange name for a studio. That'll never take off. No. Um, it has. <laughs> hey, Harvey, have this plant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> Oof. Oof, that is cold. 
Right, for your final week, that's the best one you Thank get. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, so this has one of those annoying scripts where you've clearly got a lot of people who went to film school and a lot of people who grew up on 90s indie comedies because yeah. it's got that annoying Ooh. thing. And you can always tell when it's a first-time British filmmaker that's done it. Right? Because what they've done is they've gone and made a regionally accented British production, but then imbued it with all the wit of a standard Hollywood witticism comedy. Oh, we're Joan Apatow on a council estate. Yeah, that doesn't work. That has never worked. Attack the Block barely made that work. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You whoa, don't, no. No, don't attack, attack the block. Okay, you and I differ wildly on that. Um, <laughs> the thing is, though, you've got that on the one side, and then on the other side, you've got a script that has to have the f bomb in every line of dialogue, and yeah, it's, it's it's functionally made in a sort of BBC three level kind of way. It's a bit like Very Bad Things, except in this case, the Very Bad Thing is actually the movie itself. Um, it looks dull, it's tedious, it's plodding, it's inane, it's not mm. funny, it's not clever. It's not interesting at any point. And frankly, you would genuinely get a better result, a lot more enjoyment if you simply went and stood on some railway tracks for an hour and a half. Um, I, I, I say, I can't even explain the title other than the fact that it's set in Salford. That sucks. Yeah. So I mean, it's, it's got some passing connection to the Smiths, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, just you, you have to name a movie after a pulp song if it's set in Sheffield, even if it has nothing to do with pulp. I mean, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. Well, no, because we got When Saturday Comes, and that's not a pop song. <laughs> that's very true. That is very, very we true. We need more films about Sheffield that aren't either about, like, blokes getting naked, Sheffield United, or The Apocalypse, because that's what Fred's is about. Oh, yeah, yeah, true, yeah. true, true. But our four lines. Oh, four lines. Four lines. Yeah. Exception rather than the rule, isn't it? Yeah, and terrorism. What's that about? <laughs> terrorism, yeah. Yeah. In which ben- let's not forget, in which Benedict Cumberbatch plays a London copper on the wicker. Okay, never forget. Point, yeah. never, never forget. forget. Was that actually filmed on a wicker? You cannot tell. I need to watch that right. again. The chicken cottage yeah. that, they, that yeah. he blows up is next door to the Sheffield Space Centre. Amazing. Like, and it really is a chicken cottage. That's really incredible. It, it really is. Yeah. And here's the funny part. So they film Four Lions mm. in the chicken cottage on the wicker. Then they go and film How to Talk Girls, Talk to Girls at Parties next door in the Space Centre. So there you go. I never... Did you see that? Never saw it, no. Yeah, I wanted to watch it. <laughs> and, you know, critic friends saw it, and, and based on sort of their takeaway, yeah. like, maybe from really, so really drunk one night, but, you know... Yeah. That's like... That's we'll, get, we'll get a lot of stuff filming, Jeff. Yeah. Well done. Uh, well, Doctor Who. Doctor Who Doctor here. Because as Calvin and I were saying last week, if you need to fake being in 1977, just film in Sheffield. Yeah. Well, oh. she's, she's faking being a man, isn't she? Oh! oh you went what, what am I like? Oh, you went what there. am I like being a man? By the way, I, I haven't a chance to ask you this, and I'm not going to have a chance like, on mic for a few weeks. Have you been Go watching on. the new season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Of course I have. Have you loved every minute of it? Of I course have. I have. Have you watched this week's one? Uh, I don't think. When, when was it on this weekend? No, uh, it was on last night. No, no, yeah. what was it, episode five? The last one I watched was the sexual harassment one. Yes, that was, that was last week. Incredible. That really was, wasn't it? That was so good. It's just peak Dennis. That was, it really was, wasn't it? Yeah. That was absolute. That is how you do cutting-edge topical comedy without taking it to a really offensive place. Yeah. And I'm thinking of South Park just... when I say that. Oh, I did watch that. I, I didn't find it too... Did you, did you find yeah. it a little bit too... Uh, too much. Those, too right? much. Too much for me. It's like, no, I'm, I, there's a line. Yeah, it probably I, could have been a bit more subtle. But yeah, I feel like they... I liked it. It, it right. would have been clever to have done another subject, you know, but keep it meaning the same. Oh, like in the way they did with Trump. Yeah. Yeah. 
do do the visual visual metaphor thing that you were always good at don't do school shootings and yeah but if it's always sunny that this current season is just a masterpiece and we've how many got how many left well, number five. Number five. Yeah, because there's always there's ten episodes. Thank God, because I tell you, if it was one week and done, I'd be I'd be on the edge about now. No. Yeah. 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 I remember doing two more seasons, and then I think that's got to be that's got to be it. Surely, fifteen seasons by then, wasn't it? Well, exactly. Yeah. Said, because um, next year they'd tie the record, then fifteen would break the record. <laughs> So, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is the greatest show on TV. I hope I, I hope Danny DeVito sticks around forever. I'm such a fan of it. He, he clearly loves it as well. Yeah, he clearly does. <laughs> so good in it. Oh, I love Danny DeVito. Just that gif of him naked and rolling around in jelly is just. I use that so often. Yeah, him being birthed out of the sofa. Yeah, birthed out of the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> also love the Dennis doll. The Dennis doll. Uh, yeah, oh, the Dennis from the first episode. Sex doll. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Absolutely. If you don't watch, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. There are th- twelve seasons of it on Netflix. Check it out. The first episode star- guest stars Lakeith Stanfield. So. Yeah, that's something we all forget as well. Mm. It is absolutely terrific. Absolutely watch. It's always something in Philadelphia. Um, so, it's, it's your last time. So, do you want to deliver the line? Here it is, your moment of cage. Hi, Lauren. Nick, thanks for coming back. I wanted to talk to you about something. Okay, but if it's not too long, because I really don't want to lose the audience. Look, Nick, I, I think you should stop talking about your leading lady's body parts. Okay. Um, may I ask why? <laughs> well, I, I, I think the audience kind of finds that offensive. Why? It's true, isn't it? What, am I, am I wrong about Sarah's breasts? I mean, they're beautiful, aren't they? Uh, of course Sarah's breasts are beautiful. I just don't want the audience to think you're sexist. Sexist? Well, I'm, not, I'm not sexist. That's the last thing I am. All right, Nick, if you're going to talk about killer bods, I think you should mention Sofia Coppola. Hey! That's my cousin! Yeah, you see, I, I, I did that to prove a point. You see, when you're talking about someone that's close to you, it's different, isn't it? Oh, oh, oh you're right. Oh, God. They must, they must hate me. I mean, well, what are we going to no, do? No, don't worry. You'll be fine. Well, well they, they probably think I'm the biggest jerk who's, who's ever been on the show. No, no, that would be Steven Seagal. Well, 